This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, David Cruz. This is David Cruz with the Comstock Report. With the November WASD report now absorbed, markets appear poised for post-harvest firmness. Our suspicions that the big break in soybean prices had more than discounted the WASD numbers in advance were founded. It is a rare thing that USDA can boost its ending stocks figure and cut its average farm price forecast and have the futures market leap by more than 50 cents in relief that it wasn't as bad as expected. The saving grace was on the yield side. On a state-by-state basis, the changes from the previous month's average yield were an interesting mix of gainers, losers, and those showing no changes. Seven states saw cuts in their yield, topped by Oklahoma, which saw its state average drop by 11 bushels from the October estimate. Meanwhile, 12 of the states saw their yields raised, including South Dakota and Nebraska, while remaining states were unchanged from last month. Noteworthy gainers were South Carolina and Georgia, where yields were increased by 9 and 7 bushel per acre, respectively. It was noteworthy that USDA cut the estimated average farm price for soybeans by 25 cents a bushel, even though ending stocks in days supply rose by only 2 days to a 28-day supply instead of 26. Historically, such a small hike would change the average price forecast by less than a dime, When a 30-day supply is considered minimum for pipeline needs, it shows how even a couple of days up or down in that stocks-to-use ratio can have an exaggerated impact on the price outlook. Shifting now to corn, futures also had a relief rally following the WASDE numbers, even though the ending stocks came in 25 million bushel higher than the average pre-trade estimate. For state-by-state yield changes, a color-coded map with year-to-year percentage changes by state was striking more than the month-to-month changes. Both of the Dakotas saw serious year-by-year yield declines and also included was Missouri. I thought it was interesting to note that the reason for the yield declines in the Dakotas was drought, and the reason for yield declines in Missouri was mostly too much rain. The extremes are not good for yields. The other thing that jumps out is that other than Wisconsin, Every state east of the Mississippi not only had higher yields than the previous year, but significantly higher in Michigan and the Atlantic seaboard states. Lesson learned. In the end, it underscores just how subjective those weekly crop ratings based on windshield turfs can be and the weight that we can put on them. A noteworthy number in Tuesday's World Stocks Report was that the global situation in the wheat did tighten a bit. However, USDA didn't cut estimated global use despite soaring prices. Those prices have yet to raise in global demand. Looking at Brazil, one of the differences between corn ethanol and sugarcane ethanol is that sugarcane cane can either produce sugar or ethanol, but not at the same time. This means that sugarcane producers have to choose which commodity they wish to produce depending upon the market conditions. Sugarcane production is currently being directed toward ethanol production in Brazil to meet rising post-COVID demand. This is leading toward a drop in sugar stocks for Brazil, which is the world's largest sugar exporter. Furthermore, due to drought and frost conditions earlier this year, sugarcane production got clipped along with coffee, corn, cotton, and wheat. This has propelled sugar prices toward a five-year high. Weather in the state of Sao Paulo during the next four to five months will determine next season's sugarcane output 
and whether production can catch up to demand. The Brazilian coffee industry is still trying to recover from the fallout from drought and frost back in July, which reduced coffee yields and sent prices sharply higher. Coffee prices have doubled since last year, and multinational trading companies are having difficulty getting coffee farmers to deliver on their contracts. While some farmers are unable to deliver on those contracts due to the frost damage, many farmers have been tempted by the surge in prices and have chosen to default on their contracts, further adding to shipping delays and supply chain bottlenecks. Colombia and Ethiopia are also experiencing increased rates of contract defaults, where farmers chose to take their chances by failing to deliver on those contracts in an attempt to sell at much higher prices. It is the first time in several decades that hundreds of coffee farmers are defaulting in large numbers in Brazil. My son and his wife are importing coffee grown on his wife's family farm in Brazil into the United States. Their coffee crop had minimal frost damage. You've been listening to the Comstock Report. For more information on marketing opportunities, contact us at Comstock.com or call 712-227-1110. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits.